Welcome to Between the Stacks, After Hours, a podcast made possible by Athens-Limestone County Public Library. Each episode brings you a conversation, a cocktail, and some contemplation about a notable author and their work. So grab your favorite beverage, and let's go Between the Stacks, After Hours. Hello, welcome to another episode of Between the Stacks After Hours. I am Jen Baxter, the Athens Limestone County Library Director. And I'm Anna Clem. Yay! Okay, so today we are going to talk about David Sedaris. David Sedaris. And he is a prolific author. I mean, I would say prolific. He's got like 10 books. About 10 books, yeah. yeah. And he has a ton of news clips, interviews, articles. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could have gone on and on and on reading about David Yeah, there's Sedaris. a wealth of information on him for it sure. Really is. Okay, so today, um, as you all know, as our listeners know, what we like to do is pick an author and we do a deep dive on said author. And we also choose a cocktail to go along with our author of the the episode. I was going to say the sode. The sode. I don't know if You're anybody... So cool. <laughs> and the, our author of the sode. Yeah, so we've done... Uh, Shirley Jackson was our first. Yes. And we did the Dirty Shirley. That was fun. And then we had Alain de Botton. Alain de Botton. I don't remember that. Um, we did the Lady Killer. <gasps> the Lady Killer. Oh, and killer. it was strong. It was. And then uh, Mark Manson. Mark Manson. With the Bourbon Punch, which yeah. was... That was Equally fun. as strong. Yeah. 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 We've had a good time so mm-hmm. far. So um, tell us about the cocktail tonight. Anna. Okay, tonight we're going to do the Naughty Elf cocktail. And it is to pay homage to David Sedaris's Santa Land Diary. Mm-hmm. And that is really what blasted him into fame. Um, he became much more well-known after that was published. Yes, I read an NPR article about it and yeah. listened. To he reads it every year. Yeah, I didn't know that. On uh, is it? It says NPR. Yeah, correct. Yeah, and uh, apparently yeah. he was thirty-five at the time. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh my god, I'm thirty-seven. It's not too late. It's not <laughs> too late. Yeah, and it's funny because when I first read the Sandland Diaries or listened to it, I was like, oh my gosh, this is Elf, right? Will yeah. Ferrell. Yeah. I was like, surely that's where they got the idea from, but I don't think so. Like, yeah, it's pretty much the opposite of Elf. On the, well, so yeah. I was going to see how many books he really has. I, yeah. I think it's 12. I think it's 12 books. Wow. All right. Okay, so we got to make this drink. Yes, let's make the drink. Okay. We want to have the drink in hand while yes. we're talking. All right, you said two. So we need uh, two ounces of cranberry juice. Okay. And then an ounce. Of and then an ounce of red grapefruit juice. Oh. Oh, I have it. Don't worry. Oh, okay, I see it. Shout out to Prox Beverages. They had everything I needed. Noise. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that one time. You can send my discount code, Proc. You can send <laughs> that. I don't remember Maybe which you know. drink it was. Oh, it was the Lady Killer, and I had to go to like three stores. <laughs> that was a tough one. That one had the gin in it, didn't it? It was really good. Yeah. Gin? Did it have the gin in it? It did have the gin, but I'm gin, so gin says it had the gin. Okay. All right, so we have cranberry juice, grapefruit juice. Red grapefruit juice. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we have triple sec. We have orange liqueur. Yes. And the coup de gras. The spiced rum. Aye, aye, Captain. Mm. <laughs> okay, it smells good. I just threw a little extra in there for posterity's sake. Why not? Okay, and there's also... Oh, uh, it's called for Sprite, but I got the... Seven up, as my grandmother would say. Seven up, heads up, baby. 
I think we used to play a game called Seven Up Heads Up when I was in elementary school. Yeah, my daughter just learned it this past week, really? and so it's the best thing ever. <laughs> okay, and I know it called for pomegranate liqueur, but since we didn't have that, I did find on my shelf at home this grenadine, which I always thought was just cherry, but apparently it's cherry and pomegranate. So oh. I thought maybe just a splash. Oh, for sure. To get the, Close the correct flavor, mm-hmm. flavor profile. It also says you can put sprinkles around the rim. Yeah, we're going to opt out on that. Yeah, but since we're drinking out of a Christmas, like, tumblers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we had to. It's fitting. All right, so it's not exactly Christmas time, but Christmas is coming. And since Santa Land rocketed him into fame, we're featuring a Christmas cocktail in Christmas tumblers. All right, you ready? Yeah, ready. Shake it. This is actually warped slightly, probably because I keep putting it in the dishwasher. I just really hope it doesn't splash your face. <laughs> So far, so good. This is actually a lot more work than it looks like. Is it? Yeah. You gotta be fit. Okay. I did get some on my pants. Oh, but it'll be okay. I want you to have some more ice. Oh, thanks. I just want to make sure I got the same amount of liquor. (laughs) Alright. This one's more. Here you go. Okay, thanks. You're welcome. Okay. Alright. We have to do the traditional cheers. You ready? All right. To David Sedaris. To David Sedaris. That's Ooh, pretty good. It is. I like it. I'm pleasantly surprised. You know yeah. what it tastes like? It kind of tastes like bubble gum. It does. <laughs> <laughs> it really does. It's um, it's not too Christmassy. It's, it has a little... F- I would drink this anyway. Mm-hmm. It does taste like bubble gum. I can't... Now I can't untaste it. I'm so it. sorry. I said it. Mmm. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I approve. I approve as well. It's good. So not only are we learning about authors, we're learning about cocktails. We sure are. Mm -hmm. I've never actually had any of the drinks that we have had so far on this show. Yes, you have. Oh, the Dirty Shirley. And the Bourbon Punch. Oh, okay. Well, I've had half the drinks. (laughs) In a year, let's check You just don't remember it. (laughs) That's a a good point. That's a fair Uh, point. Okay. So what sort of work did you do to prepare for this David Sedaris podcast? I was first introduced to David Sedaris. I don't know when. Gosh, it's been a... Oh, I know. (laughs) So there used to be this really adorable bookstore here in town. What was the name of it? Pablo's on Market. Yes. It was a bookstore and a little coffee shop. So for a brief little moment in my life, um, I would work there. And I worked for the most adorable couple that I've known my entire life, Hubert and Carolyn Crow. And um, I remember shelving books and just looking around on the bookshelves and seeing this Me Talk Pretty one day and reading, you know, the summary on it. And I was like, I think I, I think I can get down with David Sedaris and read his book. And this Me Talk Pretty one day is, it's been a long time since I've read it. But if I remember correctly, it's a lot about his upbringing. Mm-hmm. And the first chapter, I read back over it earlier, and it talks about how they sent him to speech because he had a lisp. Yes. <laughs> and he talks about how he's like, why are all the boys in speech, all the boys that are in speech are the ones who don't like football. (laughs) He's like, I think they're like picking out the ones they think are going to be homosexual, you know? And um, he said, it just happened to be, we all had what they called a a lazy tongue. And he's like, that's funny because my sister has a lazy eye. (laughs) Um, So Wikipedia refers to him as an American humorist. Yeah. Yeah. So he's a, he's a funny guy. 
but he's, he's very self-deprecating. That- yeah, and he's also got a, um, I was trying to actually write down adjectives earlier today. He's got a biting sense of humor. He does. Very much dry, and sometimes it might cross into the over the line into macabre on occasion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was listening to... He loves a vulgar joke, and he'll admit that. He, 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 um, he loves a vulgar joke. He loves... Pushing the boundary of um, almost political correctness mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah. Um, so he, um, do you know who Chuck Palahniuk is? He wrote Fight Club, Invisible Monsters, Choke, which mm-hmm. I do not recommend to anyone ever. Don't read oh, it. Oh, well. Yeah. Thanks um, for Yeah. But he has a lot of like, I use the word crunchy, but like, I think what I mean is cringy. Really cringe, like super, <laughs> like super crunchy books. Yeah. And so I was actually just kind of researching David Sedaris and I looked up Joe Rogan, David Sedaris, because I thought, I don't think David Sedaris would ever go on Joe Rogan. I wanted to see. And who came up was Chuck Palahniuk. And I actually hunted down the transcript for that episode as episode 1158. And I did a control F of found where he was talking about David Sedaris. And I'm not going to tell the anecdotes. you. I know. I'm a racing. A sleuther, if you will. <laughs> Is it a sleuther? A sleuther. <laughs> you know, I had a lisp when I was a kid. Did you? But no one told me. No one ever mentioned it in my entire life until I was in sixth grade. Oh, wow. And they didn't mention it. I had a best friend. And she had a lisp, and I was like, you know you have a lisp. She was like, you do too. And I was like, what? Note to self, Jen is not (laughs) self-aware. Not at all. So here, I'll give you a Wait, I got to finish Chuck. Oh, yeah, that's right. Sorry. All right. So in the transcript, I read over, they were talking about banned books and people being Mm -hmm. canceled and like how authors such as Palinook Mm -hmm. and perhaps Sedaris Mm -hmm. can sometimes cross this boundary or make these jokes we would consider extremely politically incorrect or inappropriate or crude, like hurtful. And uh, he recounted an anecdote that Sedaris told to a live crowd because he does a lot of touring Mm -hmm. and that it was so awful that people were actually crying instead of laughing. Like (gasps) what? Yeah. I can't believe that. Yeah. You know, but I will say this about David. He, um, and he talks about this in some interviews that I was reading over. He will throw out some things that will make you go, <gasps> yeah. like, oh, wait, where is this going to go? Yeah. But he does bring it to a point where there's a poignant ending where there's some sort of a meaning behind it. So yeah. you forgive him in the end. Well, in this one case, they didn't. But um, Palinuk says he was basically the sacrificial lamb, and he laughed heartily at this horrible story. (laughs) The story was so bad that the hate transmuted from David Sedaris to Chuck (laughs) Palinuk. He was the sacrifice. So what he was saying was Sedaris (laughs) told him. I use my tours as a testing mechanism. Yes. And we, yeah. we went to see him. Yeah. He said that. He was like, I'm testing out these. And what, what struck me about him on the tour what? was how nervous he acted. Yeah. yeah. He was like shaking because yeah. we were really close. And he was like shaking and then something wouldn't get a laugh. He'd be like, oh, well, it's just very sad. And he wasn't. Okay. So I'll tell you this. I had never read Sedaris. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing this book in an airport. It is called When You Are Engulfed in Flames. Oh, and I've never heard of that one. It was published in 2008. So I remember seeing this, mm-hmm. and I thought, hmm, that looks really interesting. I want to read him one day. And I never picked up a book until you suggested me talk pretty one day to me. Yeah. And I did read probably half of it. And I 
I kind of decided I didn't really like him. Yeah. Yeah. But when we went and saw him in person in Huntsville, I left. And even when he opened up, I thought, I am not going to I enjoy know, this. Yeah. Like you said, he was so nervous. He, he was very nervous. Not personable. Yeah. This was the first tour he's done in a while because of COVID. So that was right. Yeah. yeah. He made that comment. Well, I left there thinking, okay, he's really funny. Yeah. So even though he's not an in-person person, he's a funny guy. It's interesting because he seems as though he has a little bit of social anxiety. Mm-hmm. Don't we all? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but he also, in an interview, was talking about, um, oh, here it is. Um, because people behave differently when they're not worried about any social consequences or judgments. Are you finding that the gap between what people will laugh at and what they would admit to finding funny is getting more pronounced? So when you were telling me that, it reminded me, like, you know, I do laugh at jokes that are on the verge of being politically incorrect i mean it just it is funny um sometimes depending on sometimes it's funny just because it's like you know when people push yeah the envelope the push the envelope you know i'm at slapstick does not make me laugh but that sometimes does and he says and that he's like it's interesting that he went to a bookstore event said he read the funniest bits from his diary and he got nothing there's not a pin drop you couldn't hear a pin drop and he says, then people afterwards said, my face hurt from laughing so hard. And he's like, wait, what? You weren't laughing. And he said, the funny thing is people were laughing, but they were afraid to laugh out loud. You go into a dark comedy club mm. and people laugh harder because they don't feel judged. Yeah. But in a bookstore, they're like, oh, yeah. oh should I laugh at that yeah. joke? That was a edgy. Yeah. yeah. Um, so his books, it kind of seems like he, like with me talk pretty one day, his first one, it was a lot of personal essays mm-hmm. all the way up until kind of recently. So I know A Carnival of Snackery and The Best of Me, and I believe there's another one that are actually written in diary format, which is what he read aloud to us when yeah. we were in the theater. And I also think too, because I, I picked up a couple of the books that were in diary format, and I just have this assumption that you have to really know and understand David Sedaris. To get the humor in the diaries. I agree. Like his latest book, I don't remember what the name that of it is. That was Happy Go Lucky. Is it Happy Go Lucky? Yeah. It's a lot about his father. And yes. he has a very complicated relationship yeah. I had. Yeah. So his dad father. died last year at the age of 98. Yeah. And yeah. He, he talks very openly about how his father just was mean. Did you read that mean. NPR article about him? No. It's pretty rough. Um, This is something that stood out to me in that article. It's all about his dad after the death of his dad. And he kind of talked about and touched on before. So he didn't really open up about his dad and his essays until after his dad died. And, I mean, he lived to be 98. So this is very recently. Mm -hmm. So Happy Go Lucky is going to be the first book where he's truly open about what type of person his father was. And he said... The way I've always made sense of things is to write about it. Yeah. When my mom died, I wrote something out loud, and I'm going to kind of paraphrase here. And his dad said, basically, I want you to do that for me when I die. And so he put something together, but he read a little something, and there wasn't a single good thing in what he read, he says. It was just about how he used to ram other cars at the supermarket when somebody took his parking space and the comments he made to people and how nobody understood his jokes. And he says, people say, I know you're going to miss him terribly. And the fact is that they will miss him. As for why, they'll have to get back to you on that. What he says that really I loved so much, especially kind of, I don't know. We all have sorted histories and sorted family members. Mm -hmm. And so you don't really want to oust them 
to people you don't know because you do love them. Well, yeah. But it says, um, you can still love a difficult person. Your mind as an adult should be big enough to hold all of these things. I screenshotted the same thing. It, was it awesome. spoke to me as well. What he's not saying here, though, mm-hmm. is he's saying as children, our mind is not big enough to hold all of these right, things. Yeah. But he does say as an adult, we should be able yeah. to separate that. He's obviously a very intelligent person. Mm-hmm. But he somehow got this trauma. He processed it enough to maintain a relationship with his father throughout his father's entire life. And then even after death, he's eloquently speaking on the fact that, yeah, my dad wasn't a great person. Right. But he was my dad. Right. And he will say that the greatest gift my dad ever gave me was a great character to write about. (laughs) You know? Very true. I but, mean, I laughed a lot reading some of the some of the things. Well, his, he has an essay on euphemisms. It's like, you know, what are the things that people say when you have a death in the family or whatever? They say, um, oh, they're in a better place now. Yeah. Um, or they're are they looking down on you? And yeah. David says, and he, I mean, he pushes envelope. He's like, I'm pretty sure he's looking up at me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. But did you know that also he had a sister committed suicide? Yeah, Tiffany. Yeah, and there were claims that the father had molested her mm-hmm. um with uh, like things that david said aloud about his father that mm-hmm. he witnessed that he there said was, we don't know if that really happened but he's certainly not helping himself he definitely crossed some yeah. lines yeah. yeah pretty inappropriate and actually reading it i was kind of disgusted um but so again, what a complicated it's, relationship I know, it's, you know? it, it invokes this real sense of rawness mm-hmm. internally when you're because this man is open kimono he is sharing yeah. you know what i thought about that too his poor boyfriend <laughs> <laughs> they've been together 31 years i know and what does he call him he calls him congressman prude is that what he, did you read that <laughs> yeah, did, he calls him yeah. congressman prude because he's like you know, mild-mannered one. He's more private, whatever. Hugh. Yeah, That's Hugh. And he says, um, just to explain David to you, he's like, if David were to leave the room, I would not read his diary. If I were to leave the room, he'd so read my diary. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing about David is he'll publish that diary for all. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? He doesn't so, care. Read yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> That's why he does it. I know. And it's it's interesting, but, you know, as I've said 7,000 times, and we'll say 7,000 times more, in my research about David, I read a ton of articles, a lot mm-hmm. of interviews, and what they really talked about most, they talked about his clothing obsession. Yeah. They called him, I think they called him a clothes horse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. clothes horse? Yeah. Like, I was literally Googling the names of these labels that he was throwing out, and I just thought, wow, we are not the same people. Mm-hmm. We don't live in the same world. Can you recognize your um, clothing brand? Yeah, no, it's like this Japanese artist, and I was like, I'm so uncultured. Oh, how funny. <laughs> I'm so uncultured. Yeah, at, at his show, he walked out in, like, culottes. That's his thing. Yeah. He says he's really into culottes. Yeah. But, so they, he like, pulls it off well. He does. And a lot of what they focus on in these interviews is not only his clothes, but they talked a lot about kind of just his viewpoint on myriad topics of just they ask a lot of his personal life and yeah. personal opinions and a touch maybe almost never on his books, which I thought was kind of How interesting. Funny. Yeah. Because there's so much depth to him. Mm-hmm. And and also, you know, if you ask about his books, what are you asking about him? You're asking exactly. about I mean, this is it's one and the same. Right. Um, do you remember the story he told at the show he went to? He brought up an essay. He said he hadn't published it yet. He was just trying it out. Do you remember that was about him traveling overseas? Yes. And- like Kazakhstan? I think I think you're Kazakhstan. right. Yeah. Yeah. It was, he was with a traveling partner mm-hmm. and just the absurdities of them trying to 
find their way in Kazakhstan yeah. with taxi drivers and hoteliers. But he kind of ties it back into American privilege, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, I think he did. The ending, I remember it was moving because he built this up about how difficult it is to navigate these foreign countries, whatever. And then he's like, oh, yeah, but America's so bad. You know, he, he, he brought it back to where it was like, oh, well, yeah, you're right. America's right. We're pretty fortunate. Yeah, and yeah. he did it in a very uh, stealth oh, kind of yeah. way. Oh, yeah. So you almost you're sitting there thinking, oh wait, wow, he yeah. convicted me a little bit because he's setting it up as he is actively complaining about all the difficulties. Yeah. and then at the end he makes that uh, witty kind of comment that you don't really catch it unless you catch it. Yeah, it's something about like basically all of my entire audience sucks is kind of the way I left. <laughs> you're all these privileged <laughs> jerks who would say these things in this place and when in reality. Yeah, so catch yourself next time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember also it was somebody's birthday and he was engaged. Oh. He was engaging with the audience. One they were asking time. questions. Yeah, and he was like, it's my friend's birthday. Will you tell her happy birthday? And he says, F no. Yeah. <laughs> and then like we were all kind of like waiting. I was like, dang, he's he was not kidding. He no. moved on to the next person. Yeah, he, the punchline never came. But then when he walked off the stage, he goes, and happy birthday yeah. to that guy. <laughs> yeah. it, it was like, he like stretched that punchline out really far. Yeah. I was like, ooh, I'm uncomfortable. It was very uncomfortable. Because yeah. <laughs> it, like like it was almost like he was offended. It wasn't a robust crowd either. It we, wasn't. We were super intimately and, yeah. close with today. Oh my God, the lights were on. We were all staring at each other. Like, it was extremely quiet yeah. because it's literally just a podium and he walks out yeah. and he's Stand like, how do I stage? start this? Here we go. You yeah. know? August 14th. Let me read from my diary. And that's when I was like, oh, this is going to be terrible. (laughs) It was awkward for sure. Yeah, but I enjoyed it. But it was um, endearing. The way he acted, you know, he was nervous, uh, anxious. And then he kind of found himself towards the end Mm -hmm. of it and kind of got his groove. So I was reading on his website that he does over 100 cities every year. So Mm -hmm. when you factor in all that travel, I mean, he spends, what, two-thirds maybe I don't know. A lot of time on the road and a going to these places. You know, he also has been nicknamed Pigpen in one of his. So he has like four houses in like four different yeah. places London and North Carolina and France, maybe? Yeah. But he has this habit of like just picking up trash on the side of the road. Mm-hmm. And um, somebody nicknamed him Pigpen and then they named like a, a garbage truck after him <laughs> in his honor. Yeah, I saw that. So sweet. Good on him. I know. Making Mother Earth greener mm-hmm. for all. Yeah, it's like his little thing. Who would think that would come out of someone so sardonic, though? I know. We all have hidden facets, maybe. That's true. I wonder what he did before he actually hit it off. I don't know if I read. <gasps> oh, I know, I know. What? Okay. Um. Well, hold on. Let me get back to it. <laughs> um... So he was discovered in a Chicago club. He was, like, reading some of his essays. And he was uh, discovered in a Chicago club by radio host Ira Glass. So Glass asked him to appear on his weekly local program, The Wild Room. And so he did that. And then um, the success on The Wild Room led to his NPR debut on December 23, 1992, when he read a radio essay on Morning Edition called Santa Land Diaries. Mm -hmm which described his purported experiences as an elf at Macy's department store during Christmas in New York. So that's really what launched him because then it says that he became like a minor phenomenon reading that every year. And then he got a book deal and then the rest is history. So he sounds very New York. 
So I was like, I just want to make sure he's from New York. And I looked him up, and he was born in New York, but ended up moving to Raleigh, I think, in mm-hmm. his teens. Because he definitely never lost that New York accent. No, yeah, he definitely did not. You're right. Uh, the other interesting thing was, you know, for a long time, he was categorized as nonfiction. Jen's going to know a lot more about this. I'm just going to give her the information. Yeah, run that's with it. true. So he was published as nonfiction. So then I don't know who Mike Daisy is. Uh, I don't either. Let's look. So it says, in the wake of a controversy involving Mike Daisy's dramatization mm. and embellishing of his personal experiences at Chinese factories during an excerpt of his theatrical monologue for This American Life. <laughs> <sighs> what a run-on sentence, Wikipedia. Wikipedia is not always the most trustworthy source. Well, here, there. you fact-check me. We need a fact-checker. <laughs> we are the fact-checkers. <laughs> we don't have money for We're hiring fact-checkers. That was actually our second call. Call the library if you would like to be a fact checker. You'll get paid in maybe a drink and probably (laughs) some verbal abuse. Actually, text Anna. Okay, so just to let you know. (laughs) Actually, text Anna. Mike Daisy is an American monologist. Like he is a money expert? A monologist. He gives monologues. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Excuse me, why am I not getting paid to be a monologist? There's actually a term for someone who gives a monologue? He's a monologist. Okay, his monologue, The Agony and the Ecstasy of Steve Jobs about the labor conditions under which Apple devices are made. Yeah. I am straight up going to start looking up hiring monologists. So, after that whole debacle with Mike Daisy, new attention was paid to the veracity of Sedaris's nonfiction stories. NPR labels stories from Sedaris, such as Sandalyn Diaries, as fiction, while This American Life fact-checks stories to the extent that memories go okay. and long-ago conversations can be checked. So now, like, because he does, he's like, listen, yeah, of course I embellish my stories. Who doesn't embellish their stories? Right. But they're true stories. I have nuggets of truth to them that I right. just have to, like, throw in some extravagance to. He's like, I am extravagant. If it's a right? biographical essay, obviously you're going to put it in the 813s. Come on. Oh, the 813s. <laughs> I mean, look. I don't even know what that means. Is that the Dewey Decimal System? Yeah. yeah it yeah. really is. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you got your nonfiction. You've got genres within your nonfiction. The 800s literature, a lot of essayists end up in the 800s. And I don't think we are able to be the judges of particularly what portions of David Sedaris' biographical essays. Again. I mean, come on. Yeah. Come on. So I guess somebody fact-checked him and was like, mm, this one's not true. Well, I mean, okay, in one of the last books of David's that I read, there was an essay about two um, neighboring families that were sending Christmas cards to each other, and they were, like, trying to outdo each other, like, having the most extravagant outfits on. And then one of them, he says, adopts a child just for the family picture so they can say that we, look at our child we adopted. And then it goes on to where... One of them was like, I got eaten by a tiger out in the jungle trying to save my child or whatever. And it's like, it gets very gory. But the point is, it's like, hey, guys, how far are you going to go to outdo your neighbor? You know, like, and that's so true, yeah. you know. Well, it's another, another. So, of course, it's not real, but it's. A life rhetoric buried into yeah. a hilarious essay. Quit with the antics, people. Stop trying to keep up with the Joneses. We don't care about your kid's latest outfit, whatever. Yeah. Okay, but just so our readers are aware, there is an an article in The Atlantic about the sad and infuriating Mike Daisy case. You know, throwback, re, uh, the monologist. (laughs) So he did his own thing, then people hate him now, so. Not a monogamist, a A monologist. Monologist. (laughs) Monologist. Monologist. Okay. 
I actually had never heard that until today, just now in this room. Me either. See? Informing the world or the masses. Athens. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Like, I All mean, five listeners. Excuse me. We have a listener in Germany. Shout out to the person in Germany. It's got to be somebody we know. <laughs> I actually don't know anyone that lives in Germany. Hmm. I'm so sorry. You guys are listening to this across the pond. Is that, that your German accent? <laughs> that was really good. <laughs> oh, so what's funny is someone left a review and talked about how amazing Jen is. And it's like. Was there another chick on that show? She didn't say that. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> so everybody, please go and leave me a review. <laughs> that was Anna. Okay. Are you about to pause it? No, I was going to make another drink. Go for but, it. Okay. Okay. Jen, your phone's blowing up. So there, everyone in my entire family is consistently texting me about the biggest news there's the buzz <laughs> the biggest news in pascagoula my hometown oh this is gonna be juicy yeah the craziest thing of the season are you ready ready all right jerry lee's at the grocery store was just bought out by the jubilee oh no <laughs> yeah. and all over the internet all i see is guys i'm not going to be able to say i'm going by jerry by internet lee's she today. means facebook oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> dude when i was growing up you could actually smoke cigarettes in jerry lee's so, yeah, like the old folk with the white hair would be going down the freezer aisle with their misty really? winnies. Yeah. So why are they so upset? Uh, I guess because that's what it has always it's been. Jerry Lee's, right? Yeah. Okay, so Jerry and Wayne were brothers, right? So you go to Wayne Lee's. Oh, wait, there's two grocery stores? Yeah. Stop <laughs> it. <laughs> if you go to Wayne Lee's, you can get fishing gear and rainbow sandals. Oh. Along with your Oh, so they're grocery. not competitive grocery stores. Well, I don't know if there was like a familial split. Wow. And they were like, this no, is I'm juicy. My Jen, what are you talking about? <laughs> oh, you have a grocery store? Watch this, Jerry. I'm opening one and I'm going to name it Way. I'm going to keep up with this all week long. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send you a lot of Thanks. Yeah, I think I've just gotten my seventh text message right now about Jerry. <laughs> you know, these Santa Land drinks. Wait. These naughty elves. Mm-hmm. Taking us to Santa Land. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what all books have you actually read? Um, Me Talk Pretty One Day. I downloaded another one. I think it was Calypso, and I was reading on that one. The good thing about Sedaris is you can pick up the book and read a few essays and yeah. then put it down for a while if you yeah. want to. It's just easy reading. Mm-hmm. So I'll just pick it up off the shelf and just keep reading every yeah. once in a while. Um, and I read some of Me Talk Pretty One Day, and mm-hmm. I also downloaded a very short audiobook. And it's called Chipmunk Meets Squirrel. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, written, these stories are written from the point of view of an animal, but as if they're humans. Mm-hmm. Sort of, I guess, like the elf thing. And I was just like, dude, this is so weird. I'm not listening to it anymore. I just turned it off. But but, but. this was before I saw him in person and changed my mind about him. I feel like he has a Listen very distinct it. style. We haven't mentioned the fact that his sister is angry. I was just thinking the same thing. <laughs> I know they wrote some plays together, but how did she come to fame? Let's see. Why is Amy Sedaris famous? <laughs> she's an American actress. What was she in? I don't know. It says she's been active since 1990. So Wait a second. She was an elf? I told you. There is some connection between the Stanley and <laughs> I swear there is. 
They well, ripped now I believe you. I, I never. They, they seem to be very close, and in yeah. most of his interviews, he references her, and she's literally just Amy. You know, oh, just you know, I read another essay that he wrote in the New Yorker called "And Now We Are Five. Did you read that one? Mm-mm. That was poignant. It was about his wow. sister Tiffany who committed suicide, yeah. and how the the opening of the story is when they were growing up. People would always say, oh, wow, six kids. And so he formulated his identity around oh, being a, there being one six, of six of them. Yeah. yeah. And it's a very poignant story about how they go and they're visiting the North Carolina home that mm-hmm. he had purchased. And he was describing the kind of difficult relationship they all had with Tiffany. Yeah, he was estranged from her before she passed. And apparently he says in the story that at some point she was estranged with everyone. She was troubled. Yeah, Yeah. very much. And he hadn't spoken to her in eight years before she ended up committing suicide in 2008. And this person that he bought the home from says, oh, is that your sister over there? And he said, yeah, and my sister on either side of her as well. And she goes, oh, and you have your brother. Wow, five. Now that's a big family. So it kind of ends it out with they were six and yeah. then there were five. It was very well written. Yeah, it's it. interesting. He can be such a snarky little elf and then <laughs> he can be so poignant. Yeah. Maybe the mark of a true there's, there's a, humorist. That's right. Yeah. Okay, so here's an example of how he can be very snarky but then very poignant. So this is part of Sandland Diaries. This evening I was sent to be a photo elf. Once a child starts crying, it's all over. The parents had planned to send these pictures as cards or store them away until the child has grown and can lie, claiming to remember the experience. Tonight, I saw a woman slap and shake her crying child. She yelled, Rachel, get on that man's lap and smile or I'll give you something to cry about. Then she sat Rachel on Santa's lap and I took the picture, which supposedly means on paper that everything is exactly the way it's supposed to be, that everything is snowy and wonderful. It's not about the child or Santa or Christmas or anything, but the parents' idea of a world they cannot make work for them. Sinnerland Diaries. Look it up and listen to him read it. It's very, very funny, but very true. Okay, who are we going to do next time? Oh, we decided we thought about doing Colleen Hoover. Yeah. Well, she is so hot right now. Uh, She is. So there's a movie coming out, right? Really? Based on the book, It Ends With Us. Yeah. Yeah, that was the first one of hers I ever read. And then Verity. It was good. I actually donated the first copy of Verity to the library. Thank you. You're welcome. We appreciate that. Someone told me to read it when it first came out. Gosh, we must be the drivers in the market because she's all over the place. Yeah. So tune in next time to hear us talk about Colleen Hoover and all of her wonderful, amazing books. And we'll have to decide a cocktail that goes along with Colleen. Yeah. If you have an idea, let us know. Yeah. Let us text Anna. Yeah. (laughs) Do. Thank you so much for listening. This has been Between the Stacks. After Hours. Cheers. Naughty Elf. You've been listening to Between the Stacks, After Hours, a podcast brought to you by the Athens-Limestone County Public Library. Join us next time for another conversation and a close-up look of a featured author and their work. To hear other recordings from our Library Voices podcast series, please visit the Athens-Limestone County Library website at alcpl.org. Library Voices is also now available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts.